Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about secondhand shopping, the rising popularity of pre-owned clothing, how the language used to describe it affects our habits and the importance of bringing together fashion and sustainable practices. So joining me this week is Bay Garnet. Known in the fashion industry as the queen of thrift, Bay is a fashion stylist, author and creative director, a pioneer in bringing vintage and secondhand pieces to high-end fashion shoots. She's worked as a fashion editor in publications including British Vogue and The Evening Standard and is now also the senior independent fashion advisor for Oxfam, a vocal supporter of sustainability. Things really only change when people want to, you know, you can't tell people to buy secondhand because it's worthy. People will buy secondhand because it's cool and it's a choice. So first of all, could I get you to kind of tell us a bit about your background in fashion in general, first of all? Yeah, I mean, putting it really, I'll do it in a nutshell, uh, which is, um, I worked on a fanzine about secondhand clothes about... I start well. I started working on it. It's founded by my really good friend who loved secondhand, and then I started working on it with her in '96, so really scary long time ago. And then I went to New York. I had a job in an office, which I did really badly. But in the weekends and in my lunch break, I would go to thrift stores in New York City, and they were amazing back then. And and then I did Cheap Date, was the name of the magazine. I edited, co-edited um, editions there. And it was really a celebration of secondhand and sort of interviewing great people. So it was more than literally just secondhand. It was kind of trying to tap into, it was trying to be really different from fashion magazines, which felt very kind of exclusive. And unless you were in them, you were out of them. And they sort of pretended to be inviting, but they it was an antidote to that culture. So it was about yeah. kind of inclusivity, uh, a word which wasn't used then, actually, but it was it was come on, like let's have fun. And so interviews with like this amazing trans woman called Jane County, who was like a Warhol superstar, and kind of finding all these really interesting people and doing interviews with them and doing thrift things and stuff. So that's how I started, and then I did um, a series of fake campaigns uh, using charity shop clothes. So Yves Saint Laurent became Salvation Army. And, Cartier became cast off and Bulgari became borrowed and Burberry became, I can't remember, but I basically, and to cut a long story short, Alex, they looked like campaigns. He did a double take, but they were twistles, but in the same font. So Dior, what was Dior? I can't remember all of them now, but they were good. And Alexandra Shulman saw them from Vogue and said, will you be an editor, fashion editor? And I was like, oh, my God, I'd never done a fashion shoot in my life. And so then I said, well, can I do a shoot with my secondhand clothes? So I didn't even know how to call in new fashion. I had never done a shoot. 
And she said, okay, well, we're doing a music issue and Kate Moss is on the cover being you know, as Ziggy Stardust. And so me and a really good friend of mine, a woman called Anita Pallenberg, who was incredibly stylish, and she was with Brian Jones and then Keith Richards for a long time. And she was she's kind of seen as kind of big influence of the Rolling Stones because she was very clever and very stylish. But we did it together because we'd go thrifting together. And Kate Moss, we put Kate Moss in our secondhand clothes. And it became kind of quite a famous shoot. That's how I started. I was lucky. I never, I would have been a terrible assistant. I would have been a terrible fashion assistant. <laughs> Literally the worst in the world. And I don't say that in a prideful way because I think it's a brilliant, I think to be organized and to take care of someone else's things is a brilliant process of learning. So I've always playing catch up with that part of myself. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting to kind of hear that story kind of told in that way kind of in the way that at the beginning what you were doing was kind of purposefully the opposite of what these massive fashion magazines were doing and then it and you ended up working for Vogue you know it's kind of you all this the stuff you were completely the opposite of trying to do you managed to kind of bring it in-house to those places. You know, some might call me a hypocrite. And if some, someone did call me a hypocrite once, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Call me a hypocrite. <laughs> and I think, I, I call me, I, what do I care? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, there is, and, and I, I have to say that probably was a bit hypocritical. That is a way of looking at it. In that thing of like, actually, ultimately, Vogue or those magazines, you know, having rejected them, ultimately, maybe they are, you know, extremely seductive. But I did, I, I do think that, you know, I did do the first charity shop shoot in Vogue, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I say that, I don't say that as a badge, badge of honour, but I did go in there doing my thing. Yeah. And I always put secondhand clothes in my shoots, always. And so I... I did sort of stay true to myself within that context. I mean, I think you absolutely can wear that as a badge of honor. That's a very cool thing. And I think as, you know, things things have changed so much in, you know, even if you take, you know, the past five years, let's say, I feel like the conversations around kind of secondhand clothing have gone a lot more mainstream. Yes. But you've been doing that kind of right since the, the beginning of this sort of part of your career. What was your motivation in secondhand shopping kind of right from the beginning back then because I feel like now we talk a lot about sustainability but was that always where it was at for you it wasn't sustainability in the way that we look at sustainability Mm -hmm. now where it's very much linked to climate change but it was a sort of form of sustainability in terms of globalization I loved the political thing yeah secondhand there's a political thing a political spirit which is that there is something anarchic about it you're going off grid you're not feeding the system of new and I like that I like that punky spirit to it I did that was always something that I loved that thing of like Mm -hmm. I'll do it my way and I think that Gen Z and people who buy secondhand now I think that a lot of you know they love that thing it's empowering you're taking your own you know control over your style and the other thing I like so that was a more kind of that was, that's not really a driving factor to go as an active shopping choice, but I loved that element of it. I did. I always loved that. It was like, it was going off grid is how I look at it. But I also loved it as a style choice. I, I didn't understand. I genuinely didn't understand 
why you would want to wear the same thing as mm-hmm. everybody else when you could find the original. And also, I sound like I sound like a terrible person saying this, but I'm just being honest. I was always way ahead of the trends. Be like, uh huh, a year later, because I was just finding original yeah. ideas. And remember, we're talking about, but we're talking about the late '90s now. So you know, it was when trends were kind of slower. So I would do the yeah. preppy thing. Or I would do the Ralph Lauren thing and then I would do the da-da-da thing and then I'd do the Yves Saint Laurent Cossack thing. So it wasn't that I was being brilliant by predicting trends or being on the, you know, the, the forefront of it. It was just that I was finding those ideas from the source. And so fashion is, you know, it would kind of do the same thing, but maybe a bit after or a bit differently. But if you're, for me, it was a style choice. Absolutely. Do you think that kind of is part of thrifting and shopping secondhand kind of in its nature because I mean as we see now and I mean I we've spoken on your podcast (laughs) previously like I don't count myself as a fashion person quote unquote because I don't there's so much that I don't understand about it and so much context and history that I won't get however even you know as a shopper and a consumer I know that there is a very sort of cyclical nature to fashion and things from previous decades will come back up again. Do you think kind of in that way, there's something sort of inherently fashionable about shopping secondhand and finding those? Do you do you equate shopping kind of thrifting and vintage with being the same thing or are they quite different in your mind? I think they're a bit di- they always were a bit different, but now I think those lines are blurred. They used mm. to be quite different when it was less mainstream and also before there were sites. Remember, I was doing it before, I remember when eBay was new and it was like, whoa, sure. you know, so I was doing it from the shops. So a lot of the shops were mm-hmm. thrift stores because there weren't that many secondhand shops around. So I kind of started when that was just, that was just what was on for sale, you know? And then the the vintage thing, I used to turn my nose up at a bit because I'd be like, I'll find it from the thrift stores, you know? But I, I don't do that. I don't feel mm-hmm. like that anymore. I feel like it's all kind of this huge open market. And um, in terms of it being fashion, I, I mean, you know, I mean, it's so fashionable now because so many young people are doing it, which, God, I sound so old. So many young people are doing it. <laughs> but, you know, I think that it's, um, I think it's brilliant that it's become, you know, things only, and you, you, you kind of said this before in, in my podcast, which is things really only change when people want to, you know, you can't tell people to buy secondhand because it's worthy. People will buy secondhand because mm. it's cool and it's a choice. And that's yeah. happened now. Secondhand's cool. And it's factors like climate change, but it's also the reasons that I did it. It's making, I'm, I'm going to yeah. do it my way. I'm going to be influenced by the 90s and I'm going to find the peace from the 90s. Yeah, love that. And that feel, it has got that kind of like, youth-led quite sort of typically teenage kind of rebellious thing to it as well right which I think you know is you can't look past how impactful that is in kind of all of these new trends that come through people do want to do stuff because it's cool I mean do you think in that way the way that we talk about second I mean I very often most often will use the phrase kind of secondhand shopping like that's just kind of how I think of it Mm. but I know that where we've had a lot of this sort of rebrand around shopping secondhand sometimes people favor other kinds of phrases like they'll talk about shopping like pre-loved clothes or like pre-owned clothes and kind of are quite selective Mm. about 
about the language that they're using to describe it Mm. do you think that's a big part of kind of rebranding shopping secondhand in sort of the court of public opinion or I think that's a really good question because pre-loved is a word that is quite foreign to me it's quite an alien word pre-loved to me it's quite a kind of it doesn't come it. naturally to me it doesn't roll off the tongue to me no pre-loved it's a bit like well maybe they didn't love it <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it <laughs> you know it's a bit like someone has to have loved no it's just I, I like the term that you use which is secondhand but to me, something like a pre-loved and inverted commas is something, a, a word that is a kind of a corporate word, which is set out for something to be more palatable. Yeah. And that's mm. fine. It's like, however you want to package it, it's fine. I like me, like you, I, I'm like, it's secondhand. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. You know, or vintage is, yeah, me too. Also, or vintage now is quite, you know, that thing of, I used to be quite snobby about using that because I used to feel like, you know, swifted or secondhand. It was, I was kind of on the defensive about it, but now I feel like vintage, it just means old. Yeah. And I like that word now too, whereas I didn't before when it was more kind of a separate thing. Yeah. It was the posh end of secondhand and now it's more generic. That is the thing, isn't it? It's kind of that, kind of how we look and judge different things that we're shopping for. So before maybe it would have been more, vintage versus thrifted and now I think what we're kind of seeing maybe a different version of that conversation is sort of the fast fashion versus any other kinds of you know clothing that's obviously more commonly a commentary on quality how do you feel that fast fashion has impacted the kind of secondhand landscape in your experience? I think that's another good question. And it makes me think immediately of Cheap Date, the fanzine that I worked on, which was an anecdote to the culture of the exclusivity of fashion Mm -hmm. and fashion magazines and how they made one feel, which was ultimately excluded. And I think that a lot of things come out of something as an antidote, as a Mm -hmm. reaction. You know, that's how things change and things move forward and progress. And I think exactly that. I think that secondhand, the love of secondhand now has come about as an antidote, as a reaction to the saturation of fast fashion. And it's kind of like people's way. And again, I say young people, like I'm a really old person, but people younger than me, um, Gen Z or Gen X, I can't remember which one, but, you know, they're doing that. And I think that that is a reaction to mm. fast fashion because it's kind of the polar opposite. It's like, I'm in, it's almost like a tribal thing. It's like, I'm in this tribe. I'm not in that tribe. I'm in this tribe, secondhand sustainable. I'm not in the fast fashion tribe. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a good way to dis, to make make your mark in terms of like, and it, and it is a kind of form of activism and it, it is all that. And it's to do with climate change, but it's also to do with, you know, where you sit. Yeah. I mean, I always find this an interesting conversation talking about secondhand and kind of charity shops and that kind of thing, because fast fashion has undeniably had a big impact on you know the quality of a lot of the clothes that are being donated to these places and 
I, I'm interested to kind of hear what you think about it because I think there's always been and probably always will be kind of more reverie and kind of more respect that's paid to designer clothes so if if you think about you know vintage shopping or anything even if if somebody has an item of designer you know clothing or accessories or whatever else and they don't want it anymore I feel like the idea of throwing it away has always been kind of alien because you know you would you would sell it or you would donate it and it's kind of the the value that we place onto those pieces of designer clothing which I understand in a way partly because you know if you paid more for it it kind of in your mind you can understand why like that connection might be there but I feel like now where we're maybe trying to at least start to understand the value in all pieces of clothing and we're trying to prevent you know all clothing from going to a landfill where there's no need for it to do that because you know you've got way more experience in kind of navigating all of these sorts of things do you think there has been a shift in how we pay respect to clothes in general and how is that kind of showing up how are the clothes that we're finding in charity shops changing because of that well I think that you know a lot of people say now that there are way more high street clothes and there are you know in charity shops there are you know 10 years ago 15 20 years ago you know there just wasn't the culture that there Mm. is now for high street fast fashion it kind of as far as I know it, it didn't exist in nearly the same way so it has really changed that and that's a it's a shame you know, it's a shame because it, 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 it's, you know, sometimes it makes me less inclined to go into a charity shop because I'll kind of scan it and I'll be like, I just know, I can see that it's just a load of shit mm. in there. You know, it's just like, it's just, you know, it's just stuff I don't yeah. want, you know. But, but within that, there's always, but that is true, but within that there's, always great things mm. to be found and I do still really believe that always I always find stuff in charity shops you know always 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 I mean I kind of go now to like areas that I feel like I'm gonna have a better chance of finding a great men's mm-hmm. shirt or a great cashmere sweater you know I'm gonna go to areas where I or I I know them all really well the ones that I go to I know where to go to the 70s like a great denim shirt or something so I think it's, I'm lucky in that I kind of know my spots. Sure. And so I I know my spots and I just, I just ignore that, all those kind of more generic pieces that I just don't want. Are you still really sort of habitually tied into thrifting and kind of charity shopping in store or have you stepped much into, you know, like, I mean, you mentioned the advent of eBay back in the day, but now there's so many kind of like Depop, Vinted, like all of these different places. Do you spend much time on those or are you a hardcore kind of in-store secondhand shopper? I mean, I think those things are great. And if I'm looking for something, then I'll, I'll use it. And, you know, my family, my husband loves eBay and it's great to be able to look for something and, you know, to find it. Me, it was the it was the thrift stores mm. that I loved. And that was where how I grew up. It's like we talked about when you fall in love with a decade and it kind of resonates with you and it stays with you. You know, I was 
crystals were like my kind of awakening, a, a, a creative awakening. But that one sound pretentious, you know. I've been so lucky because they've just like been a really like a real source of um, real like it, I'd say gift is just sounds so pretentious, <laughs> no, but I they've been it. like really something special in my life, you know. They really have, and so I'm a, you know, it's the it's the shock yeah. for me, you know, it's the because that's what I've always done. So even with the high street and da da da, for me it was about that. It was about the physicality. I love the music. I love the feelings in them. Sometimes, you know, I go to Salvation Army in New York, and you know these trolleys with this crazy furniture and like Benny King on the radio, and I just, and then you know you go somewhere like Barney's or somewhere really posh, and you know, two such different experiences. But I kind of always just. I just preferred being in those more like kind of on the fringes or like, just, yeah. I don't know. I just preferred, I like, I felt comfortable being in mm. those spaces as well. I mean, I'd love to then ask you about that. Such a great example of kind of, you know, talk about Barney's as in, you know, kind of a big, what I think of as, you know, like a, like a polished, like department store kind of vibe. I'd love to talk to you about Oxfam and working with them. And especially because, you have then you know opened an Oxfam store in Selfridges which I think is so interesting based on what you just said around you know like bringing that kind of vibe into the more you know what we think of as a kind of like polished designer shopping experience like talk to me a bit about that and Gemma I think I also need to say like I love a spanking brassy shiny new store as much as anyone else like, you know, don't I don't want to come across, you know, trust me, I do. Yeah, so my idea of suffrages was exactly that, what you took, it was exactly that. It was pairing up this kind of, this idea of shifting context. Because really. mm-hmm. so often when I was thrifting, you know, you see something and it looks a bit, mm, or a bit, mm, and, and then I think, well, when I get it home and I put it with that. So it's always about using your imagination and shifting context. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to have an Oxfam shop with all the same Oxfam prices, but have it in a in like the kind of quintessential luxury store, and then to to decorate it as if it's a superstore, and then to have it next to Prada. So it was next to Prada and Miu Miu opposite yeah. Gucci, and it was an amazing experience because when you looked at it, I did it like <clears throat> so. The green was like green velvet. And then the gold, the Oxfam was in gold and I had gold studs and like white chairs with flowers. So it it, it looked the same. It looked as if you were going to the next door and it was amazing. And then, you know, something in Gucci was £3,000 and something in Oxfam was £35. And I mean, I'll say it, you know, Gucci, you know, I mean, I'll say it like a lot of the stuff um I did the edit so the edit mm-hmm. was key so it wasn't random stuff like I knew exactly what yeah. was in that shop so but it could have been a barber jacket or it could have been a biker jacket or it could have been a 70s velvet dress but it also could have been hanging on the rail of any of any of those other mm-hmm. concessions and that was the point just to say also as well about that selfridges it was really about shifting perception mm-hmm it was about literally shifting perception of like people would say to me, but how can that be four pounds? This woman was really distrustful of me because she came with all these bags, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, you know, she was like doing the rounds, obviously absolutely loaded. 
and she saw this scarf on the mannequin. It was like beautiful silk polka dot scarf. And she was like, you know, how much is it? And I said, it's six pounds. And she was really like, it was really weird. Like she was freaked mm. out because that was not possible in the context that she was in. It was not possible. And I was like, no, no, it really is. I tried to explain to her, like, you know, this is a bit of a project, you know. And then it was really sweet. She was like, oh, I love it even more. You know, like that. It was really sweet, actually. <laughs> but I'm really sorry. I digress. But I just wanted to clarify that, that it was really about. And this, also the Oxfam shop was nearly four years ago now. So that was also a little bit before, like, all the Gen Z were doing it. It was maybe a year before. So yeah. it was still when secondhand was a bit like, eh. Yeah, so kind of you being able to edit and kind of kind of pick out, you know, the kind of stuff that you can find and sort of take away maybe because maybe I feel like the barrier to entry for some people is kind of thinking, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't really know where to start or what to look for kind of walking into a charity shop. Have you got any kind of baseline tips so like if there's someone listening to this who's never shopped in a charity shop or a thrift store before and is kind of feels a bit overwhelmed by it and doesn't know where to start what would your kind of beginner's tips be I would say you know go when you feel like it good to go with something in mind it's really good to kind of have some form of engagement yeah like any project you're doing Mm -hmm. you know like connect with it if you go into a charity shop or a thrift store or a vintage shop and you know you're a bit you know, disconnected. So go in and like, I go in and I'm like, oh, I'd love to find an oversized cashmere sweater with maybe some Mm -hmm. epaulets or something like that. I go in with something in mind. So I think that's really important. You won't, you might not find that thing. I mean, you might, I do believe in thrifting karma. You know, you go in with like good thrifting, like witchy vibes and someone will probably show itself to you. Mm. It's quite good. There is a karma there. I do believe that actually. Sometimes I've been in charity shops and I'm like, show yourself. I feel like something <laughs> like that. And then it kind of goes, all right, I'm over here. Um, so I think having some kind of faith within it, I do believe that. And I also think that, you know, you know, like I'm really, you know, go with a bit of a kind of exactly an obsession. Like, so I always head to the men's rail, you know, look, just really look, just you could do it quickly, but just, you know, is it the print? Is it, you know, you know what you love and just something will show itself to you. So I'm sorry, I don't have any really practical things, but it's just no, it's okay. just to go in with a kind of like a witchy fun spirit. That's that's the best advice I yeah. can offer because you know you have to just be there because you want to be there. But you know, go in with good vibes and and a sense of purpose. It sounds to me sort of like shopping more on instinct as well which I think can be a bit different for people so if you're only used to maybe going into like high street shops and everything is very very curated and presented to you on the trends and they're kind of telling you what you should be wanting in the first place whereas a charity shop's like the exact opposite of that and you there's everything there's so many different styles and it's not all based on a trend or kind of like pushed at you so you really have to go in and figure out what is calling out to you rather than having it shoved in your face I think that's I think that's a great point and I think that's really true and that's why it's good to go with a sense of purpose because otherwise it can just feel Mm -hmm. like there's nothing here or I don't know or you know you kind of could lose your confidence but actually and I don't think one goes into a chat. The advice I wouldn't give is like, just try something completely different. You know, I, I don't do that. I, mean, I go to charity shops to find the stuff that I love. 
that I would buy new at yeah. a much higher price or but I'd love to I'd rather find it at the source. I'd rather find the original. Yeah. But don't think you have to sort of sometimes people think of charity shops they have to sort of be a more zany version of themselves or or you know dress up and no, you, you not at all. Remain true to yourself. Yeah, it's not like it doesn't have to be costume shopping. It's like I don't know. It's God yeah, finding what you actually want to wear. Yeah, I mean, if you need a fancy <laughs> dress outfit, you know, you might get you know a spinning bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Elsa, who asks, how do we learn to detach ourselves from others and from fashion to create or find our own style? I think that's a really good question. I did that. I did that. And I tell you how I did it. I did it by watching movies and by being into like singer style. I always loved Debbie Harry. So when I'd see like an old T-shirt, I think, well, that's quite Debbie Harry and kind of really made me. And I, 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 you know, look up pictures, look at Marion Faith from the 60s, look at Anita Pallenberg, look at Keith Richards, look at, look at pictures. I, I know that sounds really, look at Jane Birkin, look at people more contemporary, but, you know, go outside of what you're being told the trends are. And go like, oh, you know what? I like that. And if you look at pictures and look at movies and get your kind of inspiration from, look at pictures of Kate Moss from 2003 or, you know, whatever it is. But that's how you find your own source. And it's really freeing because you kind of get inspired by all these different things that have nothing to do with what you're being told to look at now. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Like, I I mean, because we've talked before on your podcast about kind of finding out you're you know full well I find it quite difficult to kind of like look at people as sort of style icons as it were but I think the whole the thing of what you're saying about kind of trying to detach from the trends I think finding that confidence to be like I like that or I don't like that like I remember even when I mean I I don't shop on the high street now at all but when I did used to do that there were certain I know that I reached a certain point in my mind because there would there would be certain seasons where I would walk into a shop or walk into, you know, a couple of shops on the high mm. street and I'd go, okay, 
I'm not going to be shopping this season. This this isn't the season for me. The things that are on trend, I don't like and don't want to wear. I don't want to dress mm-hmm. in what this season is doing. Yeah. Therefore, I'm just going to opt out of it. And I think that's kind of a, a big part of it. Whether you're shopping, you know, secondhand or yeah. not, I think finding, for, for me, obviously that's, that's only one personal experience, but I think f- feeling like you've found your kind of style for me was a lot about looking at stuff and going I don't want to wear that and kind of having the confidence to go that's not for me I think that's a really really good point I will say this as well and that trends are not this holy grail of some other force saying this is it's it's a form of marketing and so with Mm. this idea of being fed trends trends you can also treat it with a bit of cynicism so I Mm. would really say just don't buy into them because you know what what's trendy this year won't be trendy next year and just so much cooler and easier just to not do the trends just forget it just just like don't just wear an oversized sweater and a great pair of jeans you know just revel in the simplicity of life or you know what I mean all of clothes it can be so simple and independent but you're not making any effort and I I just you know I, I just I want to employ you know just enjoy them but you know take out any of those feelings that you have to follow a trend because it's just not true yeah I think yeah it's the it's the whole thing of questioning it at least mm. isn't it so I know like people it. will often talk about when you're buying something kind of saying sorry I've completely taken us off topic now but you'll look at kind of when you're going to buy something and try and think will I want to wear this in a year's time but I think that can sometimes be quite a hard question because you don't know what's going to happen in the future but I think looking at something and saying would I have wanted to wear this last year is sometimes an easier way of kind of doing that question and I thinking, agree. you know is it is it just because it's trendy because sometimes stuff that is you know trendy in the moment will actually be your style and sometimes it won't but it's kind of yeah trying to figure out I think that is really true and I also think I mean the things that I've had I, I wear the same things from 20 years ago and so I would say to anyone the classics I know what I like of denim shirts cashmere mm-hmm. sweats you know I, I also think that yeah you know what you love and and, yeah. and you know, so when I wear something it wouldn't occur to me that I might not wear it in a year because it's just what I like I think that comes with yeah. confidence as well. But I think your point about mm-hmm. knowing what you don't like with Trent is also kind of wonderfully sort of, you know, um, confidence boosting in a way. Like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, it's, it's kind of really yeah. nice. I mean, it's, def- it's definitely easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I still can't sit there and go, okay, this is my style and this is exactly what I like. But I can look at individual things and go, no, I don't like that. So <laughs> it's maybe a bit more negative, but... No, but that's... that's No, because... That's what dressing's all about. And when you're doing a fashion shoot as a fashion editor, you're bas- it's about what you're not putting in. You know, you're putting you're not putting in thousands of pieces to the yeah. everyone that you are putting in. So by editing, that's the same as choosing. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I like that way of looking at it. Next question from Alyssa, who says, when does thrifting cross a line by taking great clothes that are cheap away from those who need them? I love thrifting, but feel bad if I take away those clothes from people who need them more than me. Uh, good question. Good point. What I would say to that is, is that if you're going to charity shops that, well, I can speak for Oxfam, you know, if you're spending money at Oxfam, the money that you're spending, that money will then go towards, you know, life-saving work on the ground, on mm-hmm. project work. 
to help people most affected by climate change or, you know, going to the DEC to help, you know, help people affected by the earthquake. So actually, you know, by spending money, you're doing a really powerful thing Mm -hmm. um, in many charity shops. Uh, So that's the first thing. And the other thing I'd say is, is that I think that's an incredibly considerate thing to think, but I don't think you need to, because I think that there are lots and lots of secondhand clothes. And I think that, you know, there are people always donating. And I don't think that there's a problem with shortage. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you should just enjoy it. But you're obviously a very conscientious person. But I think that you don't. I think in this instance, it's money well spent in a good place. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like this is a conversation I've kind of seen floating around a lot, actually, about kind of yeah as in secondhand clothing and kind of thrift store clothing being like a commodity that's becoming more scarce or kind of we're taking away from people Mm. and I think actually the quantity of things that are you know being donated is massive and I think that's maybe something people don't always realize and also that is such a good point that you made that when people hear the word, you know, kind of donated clothes to the charity shop, they think it's the clothes that are the commodity. And it kind of isn't. It's when it's a charity shop, you know, depending on the charity that it is, it's the money that you spend on the clothes that the charity shops need. Yeah, which is incredible. So I think, yeah. Then that money that goes towards this inc- literally is like incredibly important work. The other thing I'll say is as well is that remember that but by by say by buying second hand you're also subscribing to you know much less of it it's not it's not sustainable but it's a much more sustainable it's, it's not entirely sustainable but it's a much more sustainable way to shop mm-hmm. and you're reducing carbon you know your carbon footprint so it's it's only it's only a better way to shop yeah the one thing I will say yeah that I think is is more valid in this kind of conversation is I've definitely seen people talking about because you know we talk about secondhand and it's important to make sure at some point in this episode I've remembered that it can be more difficult for people in different bodies so plus size people for example will find it more mm. difficult to shop secondhand therefore I think the exception to that rule of you know the idea of shopping in thrift shops and taking away clothes from people I think the important thing is to not buy clothes that are way bigger than you need them to be to then you know with the idea to then kind of chop them up and make them something smaller for your size as in if you don't need to necessarily be buying the larger sizes in thrift shops or charity shops then maybe don't and leave those people who are you know trying to shop more sustainably but actually do have an issue with that being a more of a scarce resource that's the only note I'd add yeah I think that's really true I mean there is a there is a shortage of clothes for um larger size clothes there is people say that I can't I you know I can't can't deny it you know Mm -hmm. there, there there is it's harder to find plus sizes in charity shops secondhand shops for sure and also the 1970s impossible almost tiny you know, you go past, you go go anything past the 80s, so rare. 
Mm. I mean, literally, I, I'm a, if I get a shirt or something and it says it's a size 12, I mean, I literally, I can hardly get my finger through. I mean, it's tight. The, the sizing is completely out and the clothes were tiny. Mm. I don't know what happened to everyone. Ever, body shapes have changed so much. Yeah. We've all changed. Society's changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone eats differently. But the 70s, they were tiny. Okay. Let's finish up with a question from Maya who says I love thrifting as you always find unique and not very expensive pieces but in the last few months I often found myself buying some items because I didn't think I would find something similar for that cheap price again after wearing it a few times I noticed that I didn't really love the item as much as I thought I did do you have any advice on how to be sure that you really like the item for its look and not because it's a bargain yeah, I'm less seduced by the bargain and I only get stuff for the look. And then obviously I look at I mean I look at the price, obviously, and if it's kind of really expensive, then depending on how much I love it, but I never look at the price first. Mm-hmm. I have to love it to sort of inspect it for its price. Yeah. On the whole. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously I'll pick up something if it's interesting or like, God, I'd never wear that. Or, you know, I mean it's you know, it's interesting looking at clothing, but but sorry to answer your question. You know, I'm 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 someone. If something's really expensive, I will I won't and I can't afford it. I won't buy it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's style first, and then like getting my head around the price or not. Very yeah. much so. So my advice would be just cut the money out. Don't even think about the money. Go in imagining that everything's the same price, and then take it from there. So just go, just just go with it in terms of what you love, what you need, or you know those things. Yeah, that's. Very good advice, I think, yeah. So don't even get to the stage of checking the price tag unless you've decided you love it already. I, I mean, I I love a bargain. I would definitely be the kind of person to get seduced by a bargain. But I guess equally then, if you've if you've accidentally already seen the price tag and realised it's a real bargain, kind of the thrill yeah, for you, maybe true. then, maybe the thrill is in finding it. So maybe then what you could do in that situation would be, you know, if it's on a resale site for example like send it around to a friend who you think might like it and and just you know be aware that you've had the thrill of realizing that you've done something good and found this cool thing and kind of you've had the thrill of the chase but then yeah then go back to realizing if you actually need it or not exactly yeah no, there is something brilliant about bargain I mean who doesn't love a bargain uh, it's the best If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I have three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Something to read. Um, God, I love a novel like The Next Person. I read a lot. Um, it's my kind of, you know, A, I can lie down when I do it, which I love. <laughs> and, um, and Ideal. Ideal. <laughs> and I just, you know, it's that thing of it's time out of screens, it's time out of everything. So, I mean, it, I've got so many favourite books, but one of them I would say just a brilliant sort of true crime, gripping, brilliant book is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. It's a short book and it's just a great read. I don't know why Truman Capote In Cold Blood comes to mind. But it just does. I would also, there's a brilliant book if you're into clothes. Um, is a book about Marie Antoinette who, you know, it's like reading the best novel. But you're reading about Versailles and the clothes and the scandal and the court. 
and you just can't get enough of it. So I think it's by Hans Selvig. It's it's called Marie Antoinette, and I would really recommend that. It's unputdownable, and you sort of learn so much. So two really different books. I'd read about Anne Marie Antoinette and then this murder case in America in cold blood. Great. We we love a bit of bit of balance here, so <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay, what next? Let's how about listen to. God, I mean, I'm obsessed with everything from the Rolling Stones to, oh my God, I mean, my playlist, I'd actually listen to a lot of classical music, so Bach, I mean, As It Was by Harry Styles, it's my favourite song ever, I mean, I'm, you know, I just, you know, and my daughter absolutely, my daughter introduced me to it, so I love that in the car, and then I love, oh my God, just so much, Elvis to... I listened to Gracelands the other day by Paul Simon, which was an album my mum played in the 80s. I was just genius. You know, so I love dipping into albums. Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. So I love dipping into those. I just, John Denver, Country Roads, take me. I mean, I love, I, there's so much I love and I dip into it and I'm like, this is the best. So I'm a real like, I don't know. Sorry to answer your question. <laughs> I love so much music and it's really important to me. Like most people, right? Music's so important to them. Last thing then is something to watch recommendation. You know, for anyone out there wanting to like think about like cool clothes and inspiration and lighthearted, I would really recommend that you watch some John Hughes movies. You know, my favourite being Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink with Molly Ringwald, The Breakfast mm-hmm. Club. Like dip in to that kind of 80s teen world it is so great. It's just like, and the clothes are great and it's fun. It's, they're just great movies. And for anyone who hasn't seen them, just watch some John Hughes movies about teens in, in America, Americana 1980s. Hard to beat. Thank you for listening and thank you, Bay, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love you to subscribe on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling generous, leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>